Mental health first aid is a way to train people to be prepared to deal with those immediate situations where someone's mental health might be um, impaired or at risk or maybe even in crisis. In times of crisis, mental health first aid is crucial. Geronda Montano explains how it works on this episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression. Internet safety. Substance use. Body image. Self-injury. Suicide. Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens. Coping skills. Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Help. Hope. Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year, the official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative, interesting, inspiring. Win This Year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Not My Kid Chief Programs Officer Gerona Montano has been in the prevention field for close to two decades. She's a parent, educator, coach, suicide intervention master trainer, and a mental health first aid trainer as well. She's been featured previously on our episodes on suicide prevention and overcoming obstacles to create connection, and joins us once again to talk about mental health first aid. Geronda, welcome back to Win This Year. Thanks, Shane. It's really good to be back in here with you. And thanks for keeping this going during this time. We have to. We absolutely have to. You are a parent of four kids who are now all homeschooling in response to the closure of schools. And on top of that, you're a prevention professional answering the call during an interesting and a challenging time. How do you do it and how are things going for you? Oh, my goodness. I think I just don't know any better or any different. It's challenging. It it definitely is challenging. Um, I'll say that I definitely have a different level of understanding of being a teacher trying to manage a lot of different students in one sitting while you're trying to get things prepared for the next thing. So it's 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 been um, an adjustment, but we're managing. I mean, I think the kids are probably doing better better than I am. Um, but I would say that since last week, it for sure has gotten better. Even for those of us who already have a great deal of respect, appreciation, and empathy for educators, I think the situation is giving us that to an even greater degree. We're, we're understanding even more just how much educators do. Oh my goodness. Just a tremendous amount, you know, and, and not that, it's only educators who would give us a great amount of empathy for, but understanding that as they have been teaching our kids and preparing our kids for futures, we, this really now is, at least for this period of time, 100% in our hands to make sure that we're monitoring what those teachers would be monitoring on an hour-to-hour basis during a school day. I mean, it's just, it, it, it really, in, in, in a way, I think helps to create um, it will help to create something that will benefit us all in the future in the way that we look at our teachers. And that change that's coming all of our way right now that we're actually in the midst of can be a a little nerve-wracking and has been for quite a few people, which brings us to today's topic of mental health first aid. Perhaps the answer is evident in the name, but what is mental health first aid and what does it mean to you? Uh, Mental health first aid is really the way that we care for someone's wellness 
on on the mental level. So we do a lot to take care of ourselves physically or to understand what we should do to take care of ourselves physically. We have a good basic understanding of that. Even from the youngest kid who knows if you get a, a scrape or a scratch, you pr- probably should go and ask mommy or daddy for a Band-Aid or to help you, you know, with the alley. But we don't really have those type of conversations from those young levels about like the mental alleys, the things that that may be ailing us or hurting us mentally. So mental health first aid is a way to train people to be prepared to deal with those immediate situations where someone's mental health might be um, impaired or at risk or maybe even in crisis. Why is mental health first aid important? How would you explain the value to someone who isn't familiar with it? Maybe somebody who does recognize the importance of physical first aid, but doesn't quite understand the importance of mental health first aid. How would you explain that to them? I would say that, you know, when people, we're all walking around day to day in situations with each other where although we can see what's happening with a person physically, we don't know what's going through their mind. We don't know what they came to us with. We don't know what they're going to leave and walk away from us with or go back to. And so if we are all uh, in tune with we need to be concerned or we need to be prepared to help someone who might be struggling with those things that we can't see, I I think people will understand that having an understanding of mental health first aid and the ability to apply it will just help to save more lives. Very well put. It reminds me of when I'm explaining the difference between physical bullying and social or emotional bullying or verbal bullying. We can see the physical effects, the impact of physical bullying, and we can know that that person's been going through that. But those emotional and those social effects, which we're feeling with this situation right now, aren't necessarily always evident on the surface, but can be as damaging, if not more so, long after the physical injuries have healed. We are waking up societally to realize that people will carry that emotional damage for a very long time if it is not addressed. So why is it, why is mental health first aid especially important in a time like this? You know, just as you were speaking, it, it, really makes me think that I I need to make sure to mention that mental physical connection. You know, when someone is is experiencing heavy mental pain or or being stretched with stress and anxiety, it will trickle over to physical symptoms. And so if we address the mental symptoms, we can say that we will reduce the risk of some physical sometimes short time but sometimes long time ailments or diseases. Um, like heart disease, um, some of these things that we can just care for on a day-to-day basis, it, it, it makes it really important for the, the livelihood, the life of that individual, the comfort of that individual or us as individuals. It just makes it, it makes it better for us to be able to live comfortably and healthy in total. So um, I don't even know if I answered your complete question, but I really thought that was important to point out because it's not separate. Physical and mental health are connected, and and we see when kids are more stressed, when kids are feeling more anxiety. You know, with anxiety, for example, you have physical symptoms that pop up where someone's hands are are sweaty or their heart rate increases. You kind of get this automatic, um, called like an exercise response, 
where you start to feel like you're needing to do something to compete. And so your body automatically responds. And that's that that's a type of anxiety. And with that, if we can learn to control those things, if we can learn to do things that help us to relax, then and other people know how to recognize those and can help us with that to bring our calmer our heart rate down and bring our breathing back to a normal state, then again, it's more likely that that a person can deal with those things in a healthy way. And as a community, as a society, we can help each other to get through these very challenging times where for sure there's more stress and anxiety. There is a physical connection, and I'm glad that you mentioned that. Stress, and especially chronic stress, can have an impact, like you mentioned, in terms of heart disease. It can have an impact in terms of high blood pressure, it can lower immune response. It can lower the, the strength of the immune system, which you talk about something that's important in a time like this. That's it right there to where the mental and the emotional can negatively impact or positively impact, depending on what you're doing, your, your physical health. So what do we look for? How do we know someone is in need of mental health first aid? What signs should we be looking for right now? So when we're assessing risk, one of the things that's really important to do is if that person is not in a crisis at that time, but you can see that the strain or things are increasing, number one is talking to them. And I, I can't, it's like the most simple thing to do, but I can't overemphasize it enough because it's one of the things that we tend to forget first. You know, we see people smiling, we see people looking happy, we see people handling it, but we don't truly just step up and ask, hey, how are you doing today? And truly, not this hey, how are you? And everybody gives back a, oh, I'm good. No, a, a true, how are you really doing today? And so in assessing for that risk, listening for things like, you know, I'm really having a hard time, or it's been a struggle, or I, I don't have, a, I'm not getting any breaks. Or um, recently, I heard someone say, I had a panic attack for the first time. And um, that being unfamiliar to them, they had no idea what happens when you have a panic attack. And so finding out, have things changed for people recently? Are there things that in the way that they're dealing with their day-to-day situations that have changed, that's creating more stress? So that assessment, that, that's the first thing you want to do. And in mental health first aid, that's actually the first step that we teach, um, assess for risk. And I would also mention some things to look for could be significant changes in sleeping habits, sleeping a whole lot more, sleeping a whole lot less, Massive changes in eating habits, eating a whole lot more, eating a whole lot less. We'll actually include in the show notes uh, some links to signs and symptoms to look for. Now, as far as our response when we see these outward signs, you already started with one of the things that we need to do, and it's checking in with that person, asking how they're doing, asking genuinely how they're doing, not on that surface level. But beyond asking those questions and listening if someone is showing those outward sides of anxiety and or depression, what are the steps that we can take to help after checking in with them? Well, first you want to listen. One of the things, the reasons why people don't talk, don't say anything, and I'm saying listen again, I know it sounds like the same answer, but when we're listening this time, we're actually listening for what they're talking about. What's the reason? And, and why have they been feeling this way? How long have they been feeling this way? And not just listening, listening non-judgmentally, not putting in our opinions, because at that point, our opinions don't really matter. It's all about why that person is in the position that they're in, why they're feeling the way that they're feeling, and giving them some relief to know that there is someone who's willing to listen to what they have to say. Um, so that, I, 
again, I overemphasize it, and it is a really critical step that you do two times in two different ways, assessing and listening and then listening non-judgmentally. And that makes sense. There's there there's a listening to find the indicators of that person dealing with a mental health crisis, and then there's listening to find out what the source of that issue is in order to be able to know how to help with it. Right. How do we know if someone has moved past anxiety and or depression and is feeling suicidal? What are the signs there that they've moved past that initial level and suicide has become something that they're dealing with the idea of? Sometimes people will just say it. They'll, they'll say it directly. Um, I don't want to live anymore. I can't take this. I, I don't want to do life anymore. Um, they may just tell you I'm feeling suicidal. I think we've, we've gotten to a point where it has, we are having more conversations about suicide. And I do think that in my experience, at least, I'm hearing people be more direct when they've had those thoughts. Now, that may not mean that they have the intention to take, to actually perform the action or to actually carry out um, or have the means to do it. But when they're talking about it directly, that's definitely an indicator. They also may talk about it indirectly and just give you the, I'm so tired, I just want to go to sleep and I don't want to wake up or I don't want to do this anymore. And those indirect cues, um, it's also a reason to get very specific and ask very specifically, is this what we're talking about? Are we talking about suicide? Um, but sometimes people don't give you any indication and any indication like silence, maybe they've stopped talking to friends, stopped hanging out, stopped answering the phone, they're not posting anymore on um, any of their popular social media cha uh, channels. Um, and while I'm bringing up social media, I should also point out there are direct cues on there, although it may not be said to a person. You know, as people are, are now going to electronic communication because of social distancing, you may see things pop up directly on there, like, like letters of apology or things that just indicate like I'm, I'm over this and I can't take it anymore. So pay attention to those things that people are posting and the way that they're posting in their tone. And again, ask the questions. How are you doing? How's life going right now? And you can do that in their DMs. You don't have to do it on their, their page. Just go to them directly. So much of our lives is taking place through social media anymore in general, but now especially with the situation where we're practicing social distancing. And so that's absolutely the right place to be looking, especially right now if we're not in physical proximity with that person, seeing those things that they're saying that could be viewed as a cry for help. Or as you mentioned, you talked about kind of sounding like someone tying up loose ends someone making amends, someone writing messages, posting things in a way that sounds like they're saying their goodbyes. And once you begin that conversation, now you already talked about ask the question, like we talked about with anxiety and depression, and listen. But then beyond that, how do we help someone who does, has revealed to us, yes, I am thinking of suicide? So you can encourage two things. Um, one of those is encourage them to get some professional help and professional help right now, again, and stand in line with social distancing, there are a ton of active lines out there that have 24 seven um, people answering. Uh, they may be able to reach out to their doctor. There's now more telecommunications or video conferencing uh, that can happen in the mental and physical health realm now. And uh, I would, I would say, encourage them to reach out to some of those 
professional avenues. And if they are not familiar and they've never done it, just do it with them. Just just be there with them and let them know that that you're there. That's another thing, giving reassurance so that people know that your friends know or, or whoever you've connected with knows that you're there, you're going to be there with them and you're somebody that they can lean on right now as well. Um, the other thing is encouraging them to um, seek other support. So professional help is one avenue and some people have very strong connections to family, friends, other supports or support groups, people with, I don't know, who do similar things to them, hobbies like crafting groups or chess clubs or something like that, where they still can connect with them electronically right now and um, have that experience of someone who understands, you know, some world or some aspect of their life and, and make that connection to feel that support from those around them. I've long said that when it comes to prevention or intervention, the more pieces you can put in place in that puzzle, in that plan, the higher the likelihood that you're going to have a positive outcome. And you talked about professional help. Professional help is incredibly important. There's not really much that can take the place of that. But then you talked about diversifying your support network. And it can be something including a, a professional help. It can be family members. It could be a religious leader, mentors. And then you talked about people that share your interests, people that share your hobbies. The more people that you can add, the more items that you can add, the more self-care items that you can add to your plan or to the plan of someone that you're helping, the higher the likelihood that they're going to have things work out well. Because what if that professional help can't get back to them that day? Well, that's why you want to include the suicide prevention lifeline. What if they're hesitant to call that? That's why you said you offer to call it with them. What if their friend who normally is there for support can't answer that day? Well, you find out that this person likes to go outside and exercise. And so we can help them craft a list, plan A through plan Z. So if the first you know, 15 don't work out, they have the next option and that next option. By the way, I'd like to also mention that in the show notes, we'll provide a link to our debut episode of Win This Year. That episode was solely focused on suicide prevention and intervention and beginning at hour one and four minutes elapsed, one hour, four minutes into that episode, there is an even more in-depth discussion between Geronda and myself of suicide intervention steps. And then I'm going to reemphasize what Geronda already said. Even in this era of social distancing, therapy and counseling are still available online and have been shown to be effective. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's even better for the person seeking help because they can do it from the comfort of their own home. They're doing it on a Zoom call, they're on a laptop, and they're in a, an environment that's not foreign to them. It's relaxing to them, and it sometimes that allows that person to be more confident taking that initial step to contact with that help. Deronda, I want to ask you, what things should we not say or do in response to someone needing mental health first aid? Well, you don't want to downplay it. You know, you don't want to put yourself in their shoes in the in the sense that if you've dealt with some tough things and you've gotten through them and you're using yourself in, as, as an example, like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. You'll get through it. Or, you know what, I, I've been through that before and, you know, it'll be fine. It, you, the tone of your voice is very important. So if your communication is going to be effective, that you want to help them and you want to make sure that they are safe and and healthy and happy and getting to that point where they can be, for sure, check your tone. Just make sure that the tone is loving and supporting um, and, and not accusing them of something that they've 
are not doing right or something that they should do better. Um, you also want to make sure that uh, you're paying attention to their additional cues and that you're not ignoring those things, like minimizing those things that might not be as important to you, but they're very important to them. And I, not to make light of this, but you know, the toilet tissue thing has been huge for the last couple of weeks, right? And for some people, that could be the thing that they just cannot handle. And, and it, it could be a source of anxiety for whatever reason or, or a source of additional stress where it might not be your thing, you might be okay with it, but the next person could truly be struggling and may end up finding themselves panicking and overwhelmed because of it. So don't minimize whatever you may think may not be their values. Um, those are probably the two biggest things. And I definitely have some things that also, as we're talking about how to support other people, but how to help yourself as well. And if you don't mind, can I, can I jump into that a little bit, Shane? Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So, you know, while we're in the house and we're at least trying to keep our distance from others, just make sure that you're also taking care of yourself because you might not be able to be there for that friend who you, you're typically there for if you're not relaxed and, and have less stress and taking great care of yourself. So making sure that you're eating healthy and not just eating things because they're inside. My kids are eating like I have them doing manual labor <laughs> every day. <laughs> they I mean, I'm, I'm having to say, guys, pace yourself. Like you would not be eating this much at school. So eat healthy. Don't overeat. Um, get some exercise in. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people when I look out my door, um, I've had to go out a few times. I see a lot more people, it seems like, who are just taking walks. So go ahead and take that walk. Practice relaxation. Um, and when you're taking that walk, you can get light inside. You know, open your curtains inside or open your windows. But then also try and go outside and get some nice vitamin D. You know, that helps with um, a lot of different things. I won't go into all of them. Uh, be kind to yourself and don't, don't uh, be so hard on yourself in this time. And, and make sure that you're staying connected. Stay connected with, with people either through the phone, on video chatting, or, you know, I, I will encourage it, staying connected on social media. And when you're staying connected on social media, just make sure that you're paying attention to your media consumption. Sometimes we take in those things and, and they, it becomes overwhelming because we're hearing so much and then we start speculating and we've got all these things running through our heads and, and it just becomes overwhelming. So if you're not listening to it, turn it off. Um, if you've had enough for the day, turn it off. And if you don't want to talk about it with people around you, let them know. It's okay to let them know. I don't really want to talk about this right now. So make sure that you guys are taking care of yourselves as well. And then we're better to be able to take care of other people, friends, as well as our kids. And I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm glad you mentioned limiting the news consumption. It is good to stay informed. It's important to be aware and to be informed, so therefore you can be prepared and, and fully understand what's going on. But there is definitely a point at which you cross from being informed to being oversaturated. And, and sometimes that line can be a little bit blurred. So that self-awareness of knowing where that line lies for you is so important. I'd like to back up real quick to what you were mentioning about not saying or doing to someone in response uh, to them needing mental health first aid. Um, I love that you mentioned the toilet paper thing because it's such a great example. Maybe that's not a big deal for us, but it, when we're helping someone who is in a mental health crisis, it doesn't matter whether or not that thing holds significance for us, whatever it is that they're dealing with. It's what it means to that person. And I also love the fact 
that you talked about not minimizing, and, and beyond minimizing, beyond just blatantly saying, oh, that's not that big of a deal, there's another thing that people do that's very well-intentioned, but sometimes it can have a, a negative effect, and it reminds me of Brene Brown's TED Talk, and there's a section in there on empathy, and she mentioned that very rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with the phrase, at least. And it's where someone has revealed something to us that they're struggling with, and we're telling them, well, at least this other thing is good, or this other situation is better. And that person, it makes them feel like they're not being heard, because they just made it clear to us that they are struggling with that. And we've then completely moved from the thing that they shared with us, they opened up about and we're focusing the spotlight on some other element of their life and saying, well, you need to have gratitude for this thing. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that and the, and the self-care part too, where we can be so much more help to our kids, our spouse, the other people in our lives if we are taking care of our basic needs as well. Jeronda, anything else that you'd like to add? Any encouragement that you would like to leave our listeners with before we wrap up this episode? You know, I, when I was out the other day, I um, a lot of times I like to pick up a, a newspaper when there's big news. Not that I read the newspaper every day, but I just like to pick up a, a newspaper just to be able to have something that stuck with me from when I was in second grade and someone had a newspaper that their grandmother had had from, you know, a couple decades prior to, to us being in second grade. And um, that left an impression on me. So I do that. And when I, when I picked up the paper, it said, we're all in this together. And I was like, wow, you know, sometimes you may know something, but it's not until someone says it or you see it in a different way that it makes a difference for you. And so it had such a big impact on me just reading that, you know, in the store that I just want to leave us with that. We're all in this together. And although it may be a struggle, there may be some things that are uncomfortable that happen during this time. There will be some good things that happen out of this. You know, I'll, I'll say that as we have talked so much different times about the amount of stress and the strain on families and the lack of communication and bullying and internet safety and substance abuse rates and suicide and depression. We've talked, we talk about that so much and not my kid. We also give, how can you improve on just the little things so that you can stay connected to your family? We really are in this together now to take it upon ourselves to use this time to do those things we've talked about. And so being being in this, you know, if you're at home with your family, use the time to play some board games or have some conversations that are just funny and, and silly and use the time to slow down. Um, I truly keep hashtagging things, the great slowdown, because I really think that this is that opportunity that we've been looking for to just slow down and just be, just be with each other. That's it. And we're all doing it at the same time. So you don't have to worry about if somebody else is getting ahead of you somewhere. We're all slowing down at the same time. So that's what I'd leave us with, Shane. Jeronda, I could not have put it any better myself. And as far as us all being in this together, not my kid is in this with you because we are not at the office for you to be able to walk in as many parents do because we're not in the office to be able to answer the main line. We have created a text response number. You can text the word QUESTION to area code 602 584 8474 
you will be provided a link to a form that you can fill out regarding what you need assistance with or support on, and a Not My Kids staff member will get back to you. Again, that's 602-584-8474. And two sources, two resources that I want to leave you with that we use every episode here, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, area code, excuse me, 800 800- 273-8255-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K, and the crisis text line. If you're not even ready to talk on the phone yet, but you want support, you can text the word LISTEN to 741-741. Again, text LISTEN to 741-741. Whether it is professional help, whether it is a family member, whether it's a friend, not my kid, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, or the Crisis Text Line. If you are dealing with something, please reach out and connect with someone so you can get the support that you need. We are all truly in this together. Geronimo Montano, as always, a fantastic guest, a great deal of wisdom. Thank you for sharing it with us here on Win This Year. Thanks for having me, Shane. 